All right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel, the potential of teens. I believe that the best one to reach a teen with the message of Christ is another teen. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, get the word out, rate it, review it, spread the word. Uh, we want to see a generation of teenagers on fire with the gospel. And that starts by having a generation of youth leaders on fire for the gospel as well. So, so excited uh, today to have John Cooper. He's the lead vocalist, bassist, songwriter, producer of Skillet, one of the best-selling rock bands of the 21st century, two-time Grammy Award-nominated, 12-time platinum band, recently invited in Pandora's Billionaire Club after garnering 2 billion streams. Think about that, 2 billion streams. Um, so excited, over 12 million albums worldwide, uh, they've taken home a Billboard Music Award and more. Their breakout single, Monster, remains one of the most streamed rock songs of all time with 285 million global audio streams. And I know I've worked out at, uh, to that song in the gym. It is awesome. The, maybe the best workout song on the planet. Uh, their 10th full-length project, Victorious, released via Atlantic Records on August 2nd. And John's got a new book, Awake and Alive to Truth. John. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks. For what a nice introduction. I'm glad that, that Monsters helped you in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> so do we all, we all need it. There's nothing, good, there's nothing as good in the gym as a good rock and roll song. That's, right. that's, that's not in the Bible, but it's, I think it's true either way. You know, John, let's talk about that for a minute, because you kind of, you kind of walk the border between this hard rock scene uh, and Christian truth uh, and relevance and theology. I mean, how do you walk that line effectively? You guys have been able to do it for years. How do you walk that line effectively? Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I, I am very passionate. In fact, I believe that when you just started the podcast, I think you started about saying that you believe in the power of the gospel. And, and that, that's the same with me. Uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, right? That's what the Bible says. The gospel is what sets people free. And the gospel not only sets people free, but it, it changes your whole life from the yeah. inside out, doesn't it? Everything in your life, the way that you treat your friends, the way you treat your parents, the way you act at school, the way you treat your wife when, if and when you get married, the way you parent your kids, the way you run your business, every aspect of your life comes under the Lordship of Christ. And so for me, playing music is just another aspect of what does it mean for me to, to make art that is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And so I, I always try to go, okay, what are the best ways to, to write a song about something that I feel, something that I've been through, but try my very best to communicate gospel truth, truth from the Bible that I hope can encourage people in their faith or maybe share the gospel in some way or be a lifeline in some sort of a way because he's not just the Lord of my eternal life once I die. He's the Lord of my life right now. So it's always an encouragement to young people, whatever you do in your life, musician, artist, school teacher, uh, you know, bagging groceries, plumber, everything you do submitted to the Lordship of Christ, your life will be so much better once, once we, we all learn that in, in deeper and deeper ways. And it, it really sanctifies what you do. You know, long before I was an evangelist, I was a roofer. I was a roofer for eight years. Mm. 
And for four of those years, I was miserable because I knew I was called to be a preacher. And my boss, who was a believer, said, Steer, I know you're called to be a preacher someday. Everybody on this roof knows you're called to be a preacher someday, <laughs> but you're called to be a roofer today. So own it for the glory of God. And you know what? For the last four years of roofing, I roofed every roof like it was the roof of Jesus Christ. And Woo! it sanctifies your work, right? Oh, I love, <laughs> I, I just got, I just felt the Holy Spirit on that story. There you go. I absolutely, I could not agree with that more. That's a very Puritan-esque thing to say as well. Um, that, well, that Puritans, is, Puritans is how we roll at Dare to Share. That's oh, is it? Oh, We're well, all about then, the Puritans. So am I. So see this, we have this in common. We didn't, I didn't even know it. That is absolutely a, a Puritan way. I mean, and not only Puritans, of course, but you know, we see this in the Bible, don't we? In the Old Testament, God calls, God had called people to come to build the temple. He called people that did, you know, they cut down a certain kind of a tree and he called carpenters and they did the, you know, the jewels and the gold. And the Bible says that there were people that were full of the spirit to do yeah. these jobs. So the question becomes, does that mean that I can be full of God's spirit to do roofing? Yes, it does. Can I be full of God's spirit to go to school and be the best student that I can? Yes, that's what the new creation is like. And I do think in Christianity, we have settled. We've settled for too little, which is once I die, I'll go to heaven. And that's yeah. what my salvation is about. But no, that starts right now. And you're right. It is about sanctification. It's about holiness. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I love that. And you guys have done that so well with your music and I, I, when I was at extreme, probably two years ago, uh, I stayed up for the midnight show. You guys brought in the new year and nothing like skillet bringing in the new year. And you guys, uh, made what I was impressed. It was actually my first live conference, uh, concert I've seen you guys in is your messaging in between songs. I mean, you were preaching, uh, powerfully and man, those, uh, young people were riveted and you know, Ledger, uh, you know, she, she, uh, I preached at Winter Jam, did a tour with Winter Jam uh, when she was, uh, you know, singing right before I preached. I was, she did the same thing. Her messaging was so powerful. And talking to you backstage, you and your wife and Ledger, I mean, it's obvious that theology, God's word has really crafted the way that not just, you just bring it, you know, and sing it. Uh, but everything about what you guys do. And you wrote a book, uh, Awaken Alive to Truth. And uh, I think it was a spinoff on your song, Awaken Alive, and an add-in to truth about the authority, really the authority of God's word. Tell us a little bit about that book and why you think it's so necessary today. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. In fact, I got it right here. So, so everybody that's watching, I hope, can look at, look how beautiful that book is. It's very weird to see your own, your own book. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I did. Um, well, that's a, a really big compliment. Thank you. And I'm glad that you were able to tour with Ledger. She's, she's awesome and a, a family to us. You know, we live, we basically all live together on a, on a bus that is uh, pre-COVID we did anyway. Anyhow, so um, yeah, I, you know what I started noticing happening about 2012, 13. Now I know a lot of young people are listening to this and you know, for young people, eight or nine years ago is a really long time. But once you become old, like Greg Steer, not like me, but once you become old, like Greg, <laughs> you know, 10 years is nothing, you know, anyway. 
So, uh, but I do remember this when things started changing so drastically in the church and in not just, uh, not just people that I did not know. I mean, people that I do know, friends mm. of mine, people that I've grown up in the faith with that I thought would never, ever mm. give an inch on truth, would never give an inch on scripture. The nature of the way we view scripture began to change in the church at large in America. And that's when I began getting very serious about being more outspoken, not just about Christ, because it used to be taken for granted that if you spoke about Jesus, that what you meant was the Jesus of the scriptures. Yeah. You can't take that for granted anymore. Now it could just be a Jesus that it's, it's almost like they stripped Jesus's own words from him, but kind of created this idea of a Jesus that is really nice and really loving and gives me everything that I want. And he's always there for me, but they stripped him of his own words in the Bible, which means that they strip him of his Lordship Mm -hmm. and his kingship. And the fact that he is ruling the world right now, right? He's at the right hand of the father, the Bible says. So they stripped that away. And now we kind of created this like, it's basically like an idol. It's a new kind of Jesus. So I wanted to write a book because I thought there's a, there's a ton of great theology books out there for this, but maybe there's not a lot of, of books that is like, I call it theology for dummies like me. This is people, <laughs> people like me that I love theology the for theology for roofers like me, theology for roofers. That's what we should call it. It's like people that I don't know if I can sit down with a huge systematic theology book and read it, but you can read my book. It's a hundred pages and it's said in language that teenagers can understand and they can yeah. understand original sin. You can understand why you can't trust your feelings, why scripture has to be the final authority of your life and why your your feelings will try to lie to you and, and tell you that scripture isn't right, why you need to repent of your sins. And then the best news of all, what happens if you do repent for your sins? You become a brand new creation. Yeah, and actually, I, I would say more accurately, when you recognize the fact that you're a sinner before a holy God and that Christ paid the price of all of our sin and by faith alone in him, we have eternal life. We have sinners at the same time, sinners and saints because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do, because of what he did on the cross. I think as you think about this, the authority of scripture, I think is the key issue of today. You know, back in the seventies, there was a thing called the battle for the Bible and it was all about inerrancy. Is scripture fully inerrant? And it was a battle in the Southern Baptist denomination and other denominations. I think the battle today personally, and this is why I like, I love the thoughts behind your book is behind the authority of scripture. Do we really believe God's word is the authority? It is the, it's the, it's, it's the word of God that we conform our thinking to. And the authority, the authority of scripture, I I think you see it with the LGBTQ issues. Like it's, I, I say this often, it's not where somebody stands on the LGBTQ issues that bothers me. It's what you have to do to scripture to get there. Because scripture is, is, is very clear on those, those kinds of issues. Um, the whole emergent movement that, that, that kind of blew up, that began to kind of piecemeal, um, almost a Thomas Jefferson Bible. Do you remember when Thomas Jefferson took yep. a pen knife and took out all the supernatural stuff and kind of pinned together his own? It feels like we've we've kind of got some of that hodgepodge. You just take the Jesus you want and 
splice them together from the scriptures and you can kind of create your own religion. The authority of scripture, why is that so important? And I'm going to tie it in with youth ministry, with teenagers today, really helping young people understand the authority of scripture. Why do you think that's important? Well, you're, I, you know, I really agree with that. It is very important because I, th I think that culture has lost, um, I shouldn't say culture is lost. I don't think the church has done a spectacular job of teaching worldview mm. and, and, and teaching these like basic ways of thinking. And, and one of the things a lot of young people don't know, and, and I don't mean it's their fault, I don't think the church has done a great job on this, is explaining that whatever it is that you believe as an individual is the very highest authority, it, whatever that may be, okay? That could be the Bible, that could be natural law, you know, just meaning like, just in nature, we kind of know what is right and wrong or whatever. It could be Darwin's evolution. It could be fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you think is the highest authority, that is your God. So you can mm. say that you serve Christ, mm. but if the Bible is not actually the highest authority for, for what you believe, then you're not actually serving Christ. Mm. So once you take scripture and you're like, I don't really dig that part. <laughs> That's not the Jesus that I really like. You've created a new Jesus. And so your highest authority is not Jesus Christ of the Bible. It is an idol that you, you may call it Jesus Christ, but it's really just your feelings. It's, it's your emotions. Basically, it means that you are your own God because you go, well, I just don't think I agree with that. I just don't yeah. think God would do that. And what that means is, is that you are God, not, not Jesus Christ. So you, I think you're right. Authority of scripture, which I do talk about in the book, which is really the foundation of the book is saying, if you don't have authority of scripture, mm. then you don't have anything. All truth has to become relative at that point, And it has to become progressive, meaning it has to change next year and the next year and the next year. And then in a hundred years from now, people will look back at us and say, I can't believe that guys back then used to have beards. That's sinful or <laughs> that's evil or it's racist or whatever it is that they're going to say about us in a hundred years. Truth just becomes progressive in that worldview. And so yeah. for the Christian, we have to, we have to come back to the authority of scripture. And if we do, all of life will begin to make more sense because we will be blessed. We will be saying, God, you, you, are the ultimate authority, yeah. not, not John Cooper. I re I really love that, John, because, you know, with teenagers today, there's so many sources of authority, whether it be their friend group or stuff that they're believing through social media, uh, entertainment industry. Scripture gives us a solid foundation to really build our lives on. And if you think of it as a kind of a yardstick, we measure everything we hear. I remember I was raised, uh, reached by and raised in a kind of independent fundamentalist church. Uh, and there was a lot of legalism, but I'm one of say, the things, I don't think they would have liked monster, but go ahead. No, they would not have. No, <laughs> they used to say at our Christian school that you can't listen to Christian rock because the beat of the music is counter to the beat of your heart. And I remember raising my hand <laughs> in music class and I said, Hey, well, if you time it right, it's like hard aerobics. And they said, go to the office. I'm like, okay, well, um, I got in trouble for stuff like that. But, but one of the things the pastor uh, who reached my, I'm so grateful for him though, because he reached my whole family for Christ is he spoke with a Southern accent, but his nickname was Yankee. He said something 
when I was 13 years old at a Sunday night service, I'll never forget. He held up his Bible, his old Schofield King James reference Bible. And he said, kids, I want you to know this book well enough to rebel against me if I'm wrong. I want you to know this book well enough to rebel against me if I'm wrong. When I ended up discovering what legalism was and leaving the church, he asked me, why are you doing this? And I was 18 years old. I said, because you told me to. You, you told me to know this book well enough to rebel against me if I'm wrong. And it was, it was a hard time. And actually, we're friends to this day. I call him every month and thank him for the investment that he made in my life. And he's lighting up quite a bit on some of those rules and stuff. But he taught us the authority of Scripture. And I'm so, so grateful for that. How do you think youth leaders can really help their youth groups resonate and believe in the authority of Scripture? Wow. That's a powerful story. I really like that. I, you know, I feel bad for young people. And in a certain way, I, I feel bad for youth workers as well. I love youth ministry, by the way. People often ask me, if you weren't in a band, what would you be doing with your life? I get asked that in interviews all the time. I assume I would have been doing some sort of youth ministry. I love teenagers. That's what I... Oh, John, I you would be the ultimate youth leader. I can see that right now. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would so be if this, <laughs> if this music gig doesn't work out, let me just tell you, just go into youth ministry. <laughs> okay, I will come to you and say, find, there you go. find me find me a gig. Uh, well, that, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I do love youth ministry and I, I, I still have a heart for teenagers. <laughs> That's who I feel called to the most. I feel bad for young people because they are bombarded in a way that, that we weren't, we didn't have the internet growing up. We didn't have social media. Thank God we didn't have social media. And yeah, no kidding. They are bombarded every minute of every day. Yeah. We didn't have the, I mean, media has always been, you know, a problem, but we didn't have all of the media, the, the, the crazy volatility uh, that we have now. We didn't have that when I was growing up. I do think that young people, I think that our world has a truth is in a truth crisis. And yeah. so I think that young people don't know what to do. What I would say for youth workers, if I could give some humble advice, I would just encourage youth workers to hold fast to the authority of scripture and be bold and realize this is just my opinion. Okay. That it is more loving to be bold about the truth of the word of God than to be soft on the word of God in order to um, per make people perceive you as being a nice person. That's actually not loving. And you see that, you know, I'm a parent, I've got two teenagers. You see mm. that once you have kids, it's not actually loving. You know, somebody that I know right now is going through a major crisis with their 14 year old and drug abuse and this and this. And I, I just look back on it and I go, man, you guys had a lot of opportunities to have stepped in over the last eight years. I mean, this has been going on since they were, this kid was seven or eight years old. You've had so many opportunities, but you always thought it would be mean. You wanted to be their friend when you should have been a father, you know? Uh, so I don't mean that hateful. I just mean when you have kids, you realize that actually having boundaries is actually loving. That's what God does for us, yeah. right? He gives us boundaries so that you don't run out and you're one of the lost sheep and you end up getting taken away by a wolf or, or by a coyote or whatnot. So I would encourage youth workers, be bold with the truth. Obviously, we have to be loving. We have to be gracious to people who don't know Christ, of, of course. If they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, then how are they going to be walking in the Spirit? It's impossible. They're walking in the flesh. 
Um, and that's what they're, that's who they are. So we're, we're gracious with that, but we are also bold with the truth. And yeah. I think that's a hard, it's a hard time to do that because society is telling you that you're actually, you're actually mean and you are hateful if you don't stick to the secular narrative. And well, it's a hard time. John, I agree with you. I think some of the problem is the people that oftentimes are speaking the truth don't always speak it in love. And I, yeah. I, I think on the other side of that equation, um, we need to be loving as we share the truth and we need to be uncompromising in the truth that we share. And finding that balance is really, really important. You know, one of the things as you were talking about um, teenagers, I think, I think one of the simple ways youth leaders can really lift up the authority of God's word is actually teach from it. And I know that sounds- <laughs> Don't get crazy. I know. Don't get crazy. <laughs> it sounds insane. But I, I really think uh, when teenagers really hear their youth leaders unpack a passage right. and go back to say, hey, let's see what scripture says, or they open up for a Q&A say, man, that's a great question. Let's see what the Bible says. You're almost, you know, implicitly showing them the authority of God's word. Mm, and to, I agree and, with that. And to give your teens a challenge, like, hey, if I say something that's out of line biblically, you have absolute freedom to show me and we'll talk through it. And I think showing that willingness to grow because we're not, we're not born again as perfect theologians. We grow and we don't fully know and grow ultimately until we you know, are in heaven and, and have the, the mind of Christ. So we're all growing, showing, showing teenagers the authority of God's word. How do you... Uh, do you think do you think the book um, Awaken a Life to Truth is a book that teenagers themselves, not just youth leaders, but teenagers themselves need to read? I do. Uh, I, I'm, I have two teenagers, as I said. Uh, my teenagers understood the book really well. They, mm. they didn't they, they weren't confused. They, they we talked about it, but they didn't have like, I don't understand what this means. And that was really my goal. Um, because like I say, there's a bunch of great theology books, but they, they're over the heads of 13, 14 year olds. They're over the heads of 40 year olds, all right? And so I do think that it's a good book. It talks about some of the, some of the philosophies of the day, relativism, um, postmodernism, you know, why those things are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 mm. years ago, why that is actually um, I don't want to say warping people's perception, but, but people are looking at the world through a different perception than the majority of culture did 20 years ago. And I think that's important too, for young people to go, oh yeah, I do see what, what relativism is. You're right. That makes good sense. So I do think it's great for young people. It's got a lot of Bible in it. Uh, and most of the, most of the reviews that when I do podcasts, people are, are like, I was really shocked how much Bible reference this had in the book, because usually Christian books are a lot of stories and, you know, opinions, and they, they have a Bible verse here and there, but there's quite a lot of unpacking of scripture, because I agree with you, the word of God is, is where the power is at. I mean, I think it's great to explain scripture, but the word of God is where the power is, and I love to quote scripture. Uh, I learned that from uh, the great Billy Graham, you know, in his book, 30 years ago. Yeah. How many times does Billy Graham say the Bible says the Bible says, Yeah. and I've just come to believe that more and more the older I get, you don't have to say much, just quote the word of God and it's anointed to accomplish 
what he willed it to accomplish. I, I fully agree. Hebrews uh, 4, 12, and 13, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces dividing, you know, the, the, yes. the heart and soul and, and divides between the bone and marrow of the heart. And, and it lays us open. Sometimes we miss out verse 13. It, it exposes, lays us open. And yes. The illustration I've used before is, if you know, because people sometimes will say, well, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. So why would you use the Bible on somebody who doesn't believe the Bible is the word of God? Well, if I have a sword and I'm hacking on somebody, which I would never do, but if I was, and they're like, well, I don't believe that's a sword. It wouldn't change the fact, right? That that sword was still powerful, right? And yeah. again, not pro-violence. I'm just using this as an illustration that the word of God, it does its job. It cuts, it divides, it opens us up. It convicts, it convinces. Yes. So we need to preach the word, you know, yes. unleash the, the power of, of the word of God and the gospel of Christ into our youth ministries. So any, like you've talked about, we had some uh, questions from youth leaders from Michelle Fields and Scott, Tim and Ben Phillips talking about, you, you've touched on a lot of these areas on how do you continue to preach and share the gospel and the culture that turns away, um, what role does musician do musicians play in promoting, you know, let me, uh, let me stop there. That's a good question from Michelle. What role do you believe musicians play in promoting or encouraging, you know, the power of God's word to go forth? Obviously, specifically Christian musicians, uh, what role and responsibility do they have to really help uh, young people lock in to the authority of God's word? Mm. I do think there's a responsibility there. You know, I, 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 I will say this. I know that God calls people to different things uh, that might sound trite, but it's, it's true. In other words, yeah, I do think there are some Christian uh, Christians who are musicians who are called to, to work in the church. Maybe that's a worship team or a minister of music or whatever that is for, for that particular, <clears throat> that particular calling. Then you have other Christian musicians. I think like myself, I see myself as a sort of a clarion call for the gospel into the world. Not every song I sing is overtly religious or overtly about the word of God. It's a little bit of a different thing, but I do think if I could sum up all of uh, Christian musicians, anyone that's a Christian that is a musician, okay? One thing I will sum up that we all have in common that we don't see enough is what we started the podcast with, which is that we all have a call to holiness. Every single one of us would say, what is God's will for my life? Well, I know one thing that's God's will for your life, sanctification. We know yeah. that for sure because the Bible says so. So unfortunately, what we see a lot of the time are people that, that maybe they are saved and they want to write Christian music or play in a band or whatever they do, but they're not really that concerned with holiness in their own lives. Mm. And that is why they're not necessarily great role models for young people. They end up getting involved in sexual immorality or sexual impurity, or they're caught on camera doing something they shouldn't be doing and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I always go, look, even if you don't want to share your faith through your music, you are called to the Christian life. And there should be some sort of accountability for that and an encouragement to it. That would be the first thing that I would mention that we all have in common. And then I just think, secondly, what again, whichever calling you have as a musician I do think you have to say, God, what I want in my life, whether I'm a roofer or a musician or whatever, is for you to be glorified. How can you be glorified 
in what I'm doing in music. And I think that's going to be different for different, you know, kinds of people. Yeah. I, and I think the trifecta of that, you know, personal holiness, God's glory, and the advancement of the gospel of Christ, which I know is right at the center of what is where your heartbeat is. I, I knew from listening to you uh, at the extreme conference and you were just preaching the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Christ. So I want to just thank you. Thank you for your role in the body of Christ. Um, I, you know, there's an old proverb that said, a skilled craftsman will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And you and Skillet, uh, are, you guys are skilled craftsmen for the glory of God. And I know you guys are seeking to live holy lives and you're advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of thousands and thousands of youth leaders. Thank you for the quality of music, but the quality of life that you guys put put behind that. Any last charge that you would give uh, to youth leaders um, as we could, we're wrapping up a segment right now. Uh, it's called the, the Gregster Youth Ministry Podcast, but I have not been in youth ministry for 30 years. So after this, I'm bringing an actual youth leader in <laughs> to talk about what you just said and kind of unpack it from a youth pastor's uh, point of view. Um, wow. So you're welcome to stay on and listen, or you can, uh, you can drop off. But um, any last challenge you would give to youth leaders? Oh, sure. Well, that's very kind words. Thank you so much. I love to see God's church work. Everybody does their role in the church and, and together, you know, we all come up and we make the body of Christ, don't we? It's so wonderful to see all of us come together for the kingdom. So thanks for what you're doing to youth workers. I would say specifically, as I already said, I'm not, this isn't lip service. I mean it. I love youth ministry. I believe in youth ministry. It's a major focus of my life before skillet, <clears throat> excuse me. And we still get involved in my own local church with our own youth because this is such an important time for the for these young people. And if they can get arrested by the Holy Spirit now, change hmm. from the inside out, it's going to last for a lifetime. So youth ministers don't give up the fight. And I know that it is a uh, it's a kind of a, it's a very dark time. It's just different than it was ten years ago. Things yeah. are things are more confusing. But I would just say this, don't back down. I would say double down, don't back down, double Amen. down. So go for it. And uh, thanks for having me on to talk about my book. I probably should say also, you can only get my book on my website. And I always do a plug for it because people always go look for it. And you can't find it anywhere except for my website, which is johnlcooper.com. Uh, I could not find anybody to publish my book. Can you believe that? Huh. And uh, I had eight publishers that wanted to make a book with me, Christian publishers until they read it. And after they read it, none of them wanted to make my book. And oh. I just thought I'm going to make my book on my own, because I think it's, it's a little too much truth. And that should, that should make us concerned about where the Christian publishing music entertainment, we should be concerned about where that is going. So all that to say, you got to go to my website to get my book and uh, youth ministers keep up sharing the gospel with those kids. Amen. Amen. And um, yeah, I, I actually looked for it because I was going to buy it on Amazon and I couldn't find it. So that helps me know where to find it. How would people follow you on social media and maybe your podcast as well? Yes. Okay. My podcast is called Cooper Stuff. Cooper Stuff Podcast. I talk about culture, 
um, philosophy and how it relates to, to the word of God to the best that I can. So go to Cooper stuff. You can get that on Apple podcasts, YouTube, Cooper stuff. And on Instagram, I'm not that active on social media, but I am on Instagram and Twitter and sub John L Cooper. And then of course, Skillet is active on social media and we got, you know, we're going to have new music coming out this summer. We have a tour that starts here in a few weeks. So uh, go check out Skillet music on all the platforms. That's great. And next time I'm in Kenosha visiting our mutual friend, Andy McGowan, we'll all have to get together and grab some coffee. I'm into it, baby. Come on now. I'm Let's into go. it. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for being a part of it. We're going to uh, switch now to kind of that ask a youth leader uh, segment. And uh, we have uh, Jeff Poland. You're, you're live. Uh, so glad that you're here. Jeff is what he calls a musicianary and uh, leader of Jeff Poland Music. Uh, he's uh, been, been a youth leader. He's, I mean, a preacher of God's word, excellent musician, has done a ton of worship leading for Dare to Share events, Lead the Cause, our President's Gathering. Always does a phenomenal uh, job and just a good friend. I love Jeff. Uh, and um, God is, is using you in powerful ways. And that was a pretty powerful uh, time with, with John L. Cooper. Um, wonder what L stands for, but, um, anyway, man, glad that you're part of this and, uh, just tell us, make sure you're unmuted and, uh, tell us what did you, what was your response, uh, to, to what John said? Man, I loved everything that John said. I've been following John for a while myself. My, uh, youth group loved skillet. The first time I ever heard skillet was comatose. And uh, man, one of my kids brought this song and I was like, oh, this is good. And so we went and saw him at several events. Uh, Co Cooper and the guys at Skillet, I mean, they just became a part of our youth ministry. We loved it. I love this whole last bit. Um, just some great conversation there. I actually have John's book. So I must have found it at johnlcooper.com. Uh, so. <laughs> So, so thankful for it. Uh, we need voices like that. Mm. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think I can emphasize enough how much media and music impact youth. And when you've got someone who is doing something so skillfully, so well, it's already getting the attention of the youth. And then packed into that are these truth bombs of who God is in the power uh, that comes from following him, the power that comes from living out his word, like our teens need this. And one of the things I love about uh, Skillet and what John's doing is that it reaches across, uh, it reaches beyond the church walls. So our church kids, our youth groups, we need this kind of music, we need this kind of influence. But I love that what they're doing, like this is the kind of stuff. So I, uh, I'm also a runner uh, and I ran uh, I really wanted to qualify for Boston, and I mean, I ran, uh, and, and I had an amazing half marathon, and then I had a half marathon to go, and I started, uh, I started fading a little bit, and thankfully, my wife handed me uh, some, some earbuds and uh, my phone, and skillet was locked in loaded and for that second half marathon man i listened to victorious and monster and uh it just got me so excited and i realized 
uh, kind of like you working out with this stuff, man, this, this stuff is powerful. Uh, this music is powerful. And there's so many messages that I could have had in my head at that moment as I was running the second half of that marathon. But I'm so thankful that what was loaded on my phone was this really this music about what Christ has done, what Christ is doing in our lives, the fact that he wants to strengthen us for the task at hand. And I only share that story because, you know, as kids are going through life, it's like a marathon, right? And, and we need that message of Christ. We need that message of what he's doing and the power of the Holy Spirit to infuse our, just like in that race, uh, I needed something to help get me to the second half of that race. I did qualify uh, for Boston, by the way, ran a marathon in three hours. I feel pretty good about that. That's uh, pretty good. Thanks. I did my best. I, I drove it in about three hours, so, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You're always trying to, Jeff is always trying to get me to run. Uh, was it five miles a day? Five, five, five K every day in the five month of K. May. No. No, yeah. I'll drive 5k a day. I, believe you, I respect you. I respect, I respect <laughs> your runability. So no, but seriously, but I, we need that. And one yeah. thing that was really cool too, was I ended up blogging about that run and mm -hmm. I shared about that uh, skillet song and a bunch of my friends who are runners, who are not believers started listening to skillet and they're like, Hey, this is really awesome. I'm like, yeah, let me tell you a little bit more about these lyrics. So anyway, you know, we need that. We need what, that a great, what a great, what a great, uh, evangelism kind of sex uh, salvation segue skillet who, yeah. I mean, they've been on what NFL commercials, all sorts of, I mean, they're, you know, music is phenomenal, but knowing that they're all rock solid committed believers, what a great way to turn a conversation toward Christ through hard rock music. So one of the things that he really, I mean, really talked about again and again was the authority of, of scripture and the necessity of that as a youth leader. Uh, do you resonate with what he said? I know you do, but tell us why you resonate with what he said about God's word being central. Yeah, I do. I, I completely resonate with what he said. Um, not just in theory, but in practice, um, you know, there are so many opinions out there and, uh, you know, just look at our current culture today. You know, I'm not going to weigh in on the good or the bad of the current culture. I just want to quickly take a snapshot of the current culture and the things that we think are right right now, culturally speaking. Um, and then compare that to 10 years ago. You know, imagine that someone came up to you 10 years ago and they described today's culture perfectly and said, that's where we're going to be. You would have never believed us. Hmm. You know, you would have never believed that person. But uh, the, the prevailing ideas, the prevailing culture, it, it just, it blows like the wind, but God's word stays secure forever. It is foundational. It cannot be moved. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, you know, as we're leading youth, if we want to just help them know how to navigate simply only today, then maybe uh, sharing those popular opinions and views would be helpful for them today, but it's not going to help them tomorrow. Certainly not going to help them 10 years from now. Rather, if we share with them the truth of scripture and also help them to understand, and that's one of the things I love about John's book too, because he doesn't just say, you know, the Bible says, take my word for it, but he helps unpack it. And I really think 
that's what uh, we're called to do as youth leaders. That's what we're called to do, period. That's what I try to do with my kids. But we want to just not help them just go straight to scripture, which we do want to do, but also help them understand how to actually understand what the scriptures are saying. We really want to get them depending on the Holy Spirit and, and, and you know, praying as we open the word. God, give us insight into what we're about to read and wrestle through some of the stuff that doesn't initially make sense. Uh, as a youth leader, one of the things that uh, I tried to do was go through kind of this thematic thing of just kind of doing topical studies. And it, you know, for me, maybe it was just my personality. I don't know, but it was it was impotent. Uh, it just, I mean, kids liked it, but it just was powerless. And then I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to walk through the gospel of Mark. And every time we get together, we're going to walk through the gospel of Mark. And I'm just going to kind of create a commentary of the gospel of Mark. And for one hour, every Wednesday night, we would walk through a chapter of Mark and questions were flying. And we have, I mean, we've got this Strong's Concordance. We've got a commentary sitting there. And when great questions comes, like, oh, I wonder, I wonder that question too. And, and we just looked and man, from Mark one to Mark 16, we like grew twice in size. Yeah. Uh, people showing up because it was the word of God. And like, I think people are actually hungry for substance that like, you can only live on Snickers bars for so long before it's like, man, I need the full meal. And that's what the word of God is. It's a full meal. You know, I really love that idea. Cause I, when I was a pastor, um, we would do a topical series and then I would do an expository series, which really took a lot longer, but kind of come up for air with a short topical series. But that rhythm, it really was, I mean, topical preaching, uh, it, you know, can work. I mean, the word, as long as the word of God is going forth, but I've said it before is like, you know, topical preaching is like using, you know, a shotgun expository preaching is like using a rifle. Both will get the job done, but one's a little messier. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the word of God, if it's going forth, whether it's in a topical series or kind of unpacking a book is powerful. But what I love is maybe youth leaders listening to this right now would say, you know what, let's dive into a book and let's just unpack it. Uh, I don't know you, if you remember years ago, we used to kind of train in what we called alternative teaching, ALT, ask, listen, teach. So you'd go through a passage of scripture, ask questions, you'd listen to their response, and then you teach God's word, and then you would ask, listen, teach again. And then uh, teenagers begin to really recognize the word of God as that authority. Any final encouragement you would give to fellow youth leaders about really making God's word central uh, to what they do in youth ministry? Yeah, you know, uh, John said something when you were talking with him that really stood out to me. And he said, we've settled for too little. And man, I just think that is so true. I think so many times uh, the students really meet the expectations that we set. And I think it's really sad that, you know, these high school students they're going to college prep classes, right? They are going to calculus and all these advanced language uh, classes. You know, they're in Spanish three and all this stuff, but we don't think that they can understand scripture. That's messed up. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it's time for us to actually raise our expectations. And I just think about Jesus, you know, when he called out to the fishermen, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, for you, you've been fishing for fish. Now I'm going to help you fish for men. And, and there was this expectation there. 
it wasn't like, hey, come follow me and, and maybe you'll, you'll pick up some scraps here and there. And maybe, maybe with any luck, you know, in four or five years, maybe you'll know a thing or two. I mean, he set that expectation right away. And I, I, think, uh, I think John's right. We have settled for too little. And, and it's time for us uh, to get serious about the word of God, to actually believe in the youth. It's sad when our football coaches believe in the youth more than our youth pastors do. And, Amen. you know, it's yeah. sad when our uh, college admissions people believe that the youth are more capable than we believe they are because, uh, man, God looked at us and he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. He filled us with his spirit and he has a plan and he has a purpose for our lives. And we, I think we believe that God wants to do great things through us. Mm. And it's time for us to start looking at the youth and really believing, you know, God wants to do great things through them as well. Let, let's start expecting great. Amen. Things. Amen. And so we got to, we got to unleash the word, the word of God. And when you unleash the word, you're going to get to the gospel because the whole centerpiece of scripture is Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Just so you guys know, he's got CDs. You can find out more about Jeff at jeffpolandmusic.com. He's also authored weekly worship thoughts that you can check out. So go to jeffpolandmusic.com. Jeff, again, thanks for being a part of the podcast. It was, it was so fun to listen to John uh, yeah. Cooper just talk about, uh, you know, his passion for truth and the gospel and holiness and uh, teenagers, youth ministry. And it's exciting to hear your take on that as well. Uh, youth leaders, just remember that re that building a thriving youth ministry means building a gospel advancing youth ministry. Let's reach every teen everywhere in every way until every teen has every last chance to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for tuning in.